0: Well, good evening, everybody. Didn't we have an awesome time this morning? Yes. We, was that yes? Yeah, thank you, Pastor Lawrence. I got a yes from Pastor Lawrence. Uh, I, it was just great, and thank you, everyone, for all the feedback. I've had texts. I had people come up after the service and just shaking my hands. So thank you very much for all that positive feedback. I really sense that there is a togetherness, I discern an excitement in the house. There's a buzz. I think, I think the, if I was in a younger generation, I'd say there's a vibe that's taking place as we move forward. I, it's just going to be great to release the full potential of this house as we're moving forward into the future. It's good to have my friend actually in the audience, Pastor Johnny Leach. Well, uh, It's good to have you here, thank you for coming, but you've, brought, you've also brought a friend. We've got someone really special, a man of God from America, a superintendent of free Methodism in, in America. Ben, so uh, it's not a coincidence, is it, that we launch a new vision for this church in the morning and then Ben comes to us in the evening. <laughs> So, Ben, can you come up and just pray for us as a church? I've just, I asked Ben to do this for us, and I'd appreciate it if you could. Thank Thanks, you.
1: Pastor Ian. Uh, yesterday, uh, Pastor Johnny took me out to the Jubilee Tower, and uh, he had told me about many prayers that were said out there. And so I just raised my hands and prayed over this entire region, and I have been just impressed in this region of how the Spirit of God is being outpoured. And I was here six years ago in the United Kingdom, and I did not have the opportunities to share faith like I have had this time for the last two weeks. I believe the Lord is doing something special here. Allow me to pray. Heavenly Father, I'm excited to be at this church, this church that is uh, pivotal in the movement of the Free Methodist Church in the United Kingdom. And I know you are not done with them, and I'm excited to be here tonight and hear this vision that you have given. Uh, Pastor Ian and his team. And I know that this is not a trite vision. This is a vision that will move this church forward and not only move this church forward, but move this region forward and we'll take new ground in the United Kingdom. And Lord, I know that that is a prophetic word for this congregation and this pastor. And so tonight we receive what you have planned for us months in advance, weeks in advance, hours in advance. You have given this man a word. We now say we receive it in advance. And all God's people said,
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Thank you very much. So <clears throat> I don't feel the pressure like I had this morning. You know, you got two services, you have got to get it done in 20 minutes. So it's like bam, bam, bang, bang, bang as you as, as you hit the information with people. Um, uh, Like I said, I had quite a few few people coming up to me afterwards, quite positive feedbacks. But one of the comments that someone came to me and said, it was so exhilarating, it was like a spiritual machine gun being fired at me. (laughs) Uh, Was that positive? I don't know. But uh, I took it anyway. It it sounded good uh, to me. But we can slow it down a little bit this evening. I don't have the pressure of time. We're going to go through quite a few scriptures. And we're going to look again. You'll you'll find some of the... um, Find some of the slides familiar because we saw them, some of them we saw this morning, but I'm going to be coming from a slightly different angle as we look at our vision again. <clears throat> um, the, the, we're really in the third week because my beautiful wife launched us off on, in this series on the 1st of January. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you to Ian, and uh, thank you uh, to Dave who, uh, who also spoke about personal vision and they spoke about corporate vision and the need for that in this house. They laid the groundwork for what I had to say this morning. Thank you for Nathan. I don't know if Nathan's here, but Nathan did the logo that you saw this morning. So we appreciate that, Nathan. A big shout out to him. I want to say a big thank you as well to the trustees to the uh, spiritual leadership team and the administration leadership team, to all the staff here. They've been going through the paces over the last six months. Uh, we've had days away. We've been thrashing through what you heard this morning. I gave them, can you believe this? I gave them a hundred over a 120 page document to wade through and to talk through and to thrash through. So you do need to pray for them. I'm pushing them hard, okay? So you do need to uh, be praying for them. But I do say that we're coming to a place of common unity, one mind and one spirit as we uh, move forward. I want to just share a scripture that we read out this morning and I want to read it out again. I don't know if you guys at the back can find it. It was the same scripture that we had read this morning. It's from Luke chapter 14 and starting at verse 28. And it's that famous, uh, a small story of a parable that Jesus uh, spoke about a man who goes out to build house or build a tower. And in verse 23 of Luke 14, this is what he says. So suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't he first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundations and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish and so part of what Jesus was talking about here is the cost of discipleship in our lives in verse 33 of that same chapter he says this in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he cannot be my disciple what a challenge And yet sometimes it feels like you're giving everything in your spiritual walk with with Jesus. And Jesus says before you start off your Christian life, you must first sit down and count the cost. The cost of time. The cost of generosity. The cost of of reputation risk. The cost of self-denial. Are you prepared for that kind of of cost. We have so many people who are great starters in the Christian life. They start off all so excited and, 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 and yet they don't have the sense of commitment to finish in their walk with the Lord. And just look at that first verse. So suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Notice that vision. The building of a tower, I want to build a tower. This man's got a vision of building a house, building a tower. Notice vision creates desire. Those who want desire want to build. And then there's, and there's also evidence for desire. And evidence for desire is pursuit. Pursuit is always the evidence of desire, whether it's a relationship between a man and a woman. The evidence of desire is pursuit. If you've got a goal, if you've got a vision, if you're something that you're moving towards in your life, the evidence of of desire is pursuit. And yet the, the first goes on to say, Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Notice when it comes to vision and building a house, the fir- there's a priority issue here. First, before you launch anything, first sit down. First sit down and count the cost. Vision is a priority issue, both in our lives as individuals and as a church. We have so many people who are good at starting but they don't have the capacity to finish what they started. Why? Why do they not have the capacity to finish what they started? Because they haven't first sat down and counted the cost, the planning, the vision, the money, the logistics, the architecture's drawings for building this tower or for building this house. And in verse 9, it goes on to say, For you lay the foundation, you're able to lay the foundation, but you're not able to finish it. There's this juxtaposition in the text here between beginning and finishing. Between beginning and finishing, you started, but you don't have the capacity to finish. And it goes on to say that people will ridicule you. That there will be a shame on the name of God and the name of Christ. Because... You shot off with passion, but you weren't able to sustain it. Why? Because you first didn't sit down and count the cost. And as we look at the architecture's drawings, and as we look and we develop the architecture's drawings for building the the house that God wants to build here, we're taking time as a church to look at that vision and first sit down and count the cost. So we're doing it step by step. Line upon line, precept upon precept. For this week, we've been looking at why we exist as a church. And next week, we're going to be looking at how. I've still got a little bit of a a croaky voice. So don't excuse me as I take my water from time to time. So what's the source of our vision uh, in in this church? Well, I spoke about it a little bit this morning. You'll see see the same slide that came up. But I just want to look at it from a slightly different angle. On the slide, the source of our vision is is multifaceted from the Bible. I believe the Bible is the greatest church growth book that you can find. It's all about ecclesiology. What's ecclesiology? Well, Ecclesia in the Greek means church and ology means study of. So the study of the church from the Bible, for a vision to be relevant, it also has to be aligned to what the Bible says is the purpose and the reason of the church. There are certain things that only the local church can do. Did you know that? There's certain things that only the local church can do. No other organisation can in this locality, can do what the local church can do. Worship. To give praise, to bring the word of the Lord, to prayer, to intercede in spirit and in truth. No other organisation can worship in spirit and in truth. Only the church can do that. Only only the church can come into the presence of the Lord and and be included as part of the celebration of heaven, heaven, bringing heaven down to earth. Only the church can reach out in evangelism, holding out the words of eternal life, the message of hope, of the gospel of good news. It's only the church can do that. No other organisation can. When it comes to fellowship, this is a unique fellowship when it comes to the kind of relationships that we can build, only the church can build relationships which are spirit to spirit operating in the truth. The Bible says this, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another there's no other church that can have that kind of level of intimacy spirit to spirit no wonder the apostle Paul says this the apostle Paul says we don't know each other after the flesh we know each other after the spirit there is an intimacy and a depth and a kindred spirit when brothers and sisters come together in unity and God commands a blessing only in the church can you find that discipleship Maturity coming to the fullness of Christ. When the engrafted word is able to come on the inside of you. Full of richness, full of power. And is able to save the soul. Able to renew the mind. The revelation and the entrance of God's word brings light. And there's an illumination and a revelation that transforms our life. Only the church can you find that kind of power. And that kind of transformation. No other organization, no other social setup, no other charity can do that. No government department can do that. Only the church. And that's what we're called for. That's why it's so important as we understand it from a biblical perspective. And what about ministry? Well, there's a lot of charities, there's a lot of social concerns out there doing a lot of great and good things, holding out out care and provision for people. And it's important that the church continues to support and work with people. But listen to this. There's a uniqueness that comes with the local church, filled by the Spirit of God. And it's seen and reflected in the understanding of Peter, When he walks past and and there's a beggar there crying out, a cripple there crying out. And we read in the text and Pete turns around and he says, Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have, give I to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. That's a different type of ministry. Social settings and charities can't do that. Only the church can do that. And we've got to understand the mandate of the church from the Bible. The reason the church exists isn't something that we create. It's something that we discover as we delve into the scripture and to the Bible. And so one of the things that's the source of our vision and will continue to be the source of the vision is what the Bible says about what we should be. As a church, another source for our vision is the leader that God has brought to this church. That's me. (laughs) I'm the co-pastor here in this church. And I come with baggage, hopefully positive baggage. So I'm, I'm his workmanship like you are. And there's been the influence of God on my life from my parents growing up. All the challenges, both negative and positive, has been moulding me and creating me. All the influences on my life, the books that I've read, the people that I've met that have made an impact on my life. And I'm carrying something from the last 50 years to now. With that dream and that vision and everything that I am, I'm giving. I'm, I'm a servant leader. I'm a gift to the church to be poured out here in this context. And if we've got it right, and I believe we have, then I am exactly what you need. Moving forward to take us to the next level. And guess what? You're exactly what I need in terms of the church. And so one of the sources of our vision is what God had placed in my heart and the kind of church that I wanted to lead and what he's placed in me. And so many people have different opinions about what a pastor should be. Did you know that? Pastor Johnny will tell you, Ben will tell you, Pastor Lawrence will tell you. Many people have different views of what a pastor... You should be this, you should be doing that, you should be doing... Why why is he not doing that? Over the last eight months, I've heard a few phrases like that. And yet, you, how many people know you've got to be the person that God's created you to be? You, you can't just keep changing yourself so that I can be what this person wants me to be over here. And then I change myself again to be what this person wants over here. And then someone from a different church background is like wants me to be this over here. And I'm constantly like a chameleon changing myself. And somewhere, as a leader, you've got to find roots and say, I'm going to be the person God's called me to be. And I'm truly believing that that's the best for you as a church. And part of the source of our vision comes from what, what was carrying in my heart and in my life. But guess what? Another source of this vision is the people. And you know that over the last seven to eight months, I've been listening really hard. As I said this morning, the Bible really the Bible says, do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? It's not so much what the Spirit's saying to the pastor, it's what the Spirit's saying to the church. I believe as we see the picture of our future, there are different jigsaw pieces in each one of your hearts. And and part of the job of a leader is to listen. And part of the job as a leader is to draw out that picture and that jigsaw piece. So that we can put it together to see our future together. And so I've been asking questions. I've been visiting small groups. I've been talking to individuals. And I've been asked questions. And I've sensed what I believe to be the voice of the soul of this church moving forward. But also... Part of the vision, the source of our vision, is the community, the people we're called to reach. And it is different, isn't it? To build a church here in Fulwood, Preston and beyond, that's going to be a different church to the kind of church you build if you're in London or Birmingham or in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, where I I was for 11 years. It's, It's different context. And so the people we're called to reach will be able to shape the kind of vision that we're moving forward. And finally, I truly believe that, that you can see something of God's purposes for a people in their future by seeing how God has led them in their past and you don't need to do too much study in the Old Testament how God led the children of Israel and the influence that he had and, and the words that came to those people and as I started to listen to, to the foundations of the, of, of the people that pastored this church and the pioneers and the and, and the founding members of this church and I spoke to them and I listened to them and I started to hear what people were saying about the journey of this church it's a reflection that's Principles that you can pick up about what God wants to do in the future by understanding where people people were in the past. God, by his providence, takes people on a journey. And if you're a wise leader, you would listen very carefully. One of the things that my wife said to me a couple of months ago when we were praying for this church and we were praying for the vision. And she got a scripture from... from from the uh, Old Testament prophets it talks about unblocking the ancient wells unblocking the ancient wells this church started with a vision it started under the anointing and the power of God and a confidence in the gospel the good news of Jesus that can transform lives this is how this church started And sometimes over the years, for good intentions, we can start this, we can start that, we can start this, we can start that. But something tells me that maybe we have to take a little bit of rubble away and some stones away and dive down deep again into some of that water and draw up again the life of God's Spirit amongst us as a church. So these are some of the sources of the vision of where we're moving forward. So what is Our vision, as I outlined this morning, our vision is simple. In fact, it's so simple, it's one word. But as you figured out this morning, I was cheating, wasn't I? It's an acronym, an abbreviation formed from the initial letters of five key words. These five key words are in a perfect sequence. The first one is the highest priority of our lives. And the next four are the four steps that we want every person to take and we want every person to go deeper with in their lives. So what's our, what's our uh, vision? The word there is up on the screen, CREED. And that stands for Celebrate, Reach, Establish, Equip, Deploy. Celebrate, Reach, Establish, Equip and Deploy. The rest of what we do over the next three to four years is going to be the working out in different details and in different contexts that simple one-word vision. Those words have been specifically chosen. We've thought about it and they're specifically chosen to communicate deep emotion, faith and focus. Each word has deep theology behind it, it has a philosophy of ministry behind it, it has plans, it has strategies, it has thinking and it has to have allocated key resources to each one and as you could imagine in over 25-30 minutes tonight, I can't unfold all of that but we're going to be seeing that unfold over the next couple of years. But let's take a look at a feel for each one of these words and I want to go through some scriptures and I'm going to just simply read some scriptures and I just want you to allow the word of God to wash over you in every one of these words just simply I'm going to just read out and when we look at celebrate number one celebrate allow me just to read some scriptures I could have chosen 50, 60, 70, but I've got five or six here that I just want to simply read out, which gives the essence, which gives a sense of what we're trying to do in the area of celebrating. Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 19. from, From them will proceed thanksgiving and a voice of those who celebrate. A voice of those who celebrate and I will multiply them and they will not be diminished and I will honour them and they will not be insignificant. There's something about praise and worship, there's something about celebratory plays that when you lift Jesus up, he draws people to himself. When you have a sense a sense of God's presence, when we worship, it's a vehicle where heaven's comes down and invades earth amongst God's people. And we will be a people that are not insignificant, according to Jeremiah chapter 30. Listen to this from Psalm 34. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 122. I was glad. I was. Wanted to celebrate. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the Lord's house. Luke 15 verse 23, uh, what I spoke this morning about the prodigal son. And he says, let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. So let's celebrate. The kingdom of God is a party of celebration Matthew 22 verse 1 and Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding party for his son part of the part of the essence of these scriptures is this idea of celebration Romans chapter 14 says this, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, celebration in the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be known as a people who celebrate, who are grateful and passionate for the goodness of God in our lives through Jesus Christ. We're going to be a people who know how to celebrate unashamed, worshipping the one who gave us life. I wrote this in 2008 in my journal. I I have a spiritual journal journal, and when I'm spending time with the Lord and sometimes things come from my spirit as I'm just waiting on the Lord or he might give me a scripture or a word and I'll write it down. And this is what I wrote in 2008 in my journal and I want to share it with you. I have a dream of a worshipping church whose people know their God as always being in the midst of them conscious of his presence more than being conscious of themselves I have a dream of a church whose sound and soul is an act of celebration in response to his act of redemption no musical skills withheld and no technology off limits as they abandon themselves in exalting their king laying hold of God expectantly in prayer and interceding to see personal and community transformation. I see a church, a community whose worship is expressed not only on a Sunday in a service with prayer and gathering, but also in homes, also in places of work, also in individual lives, a passionate, devoted, worshipping church causing the kingdom of heaven to be visible for all to see. I see a church that knows how to celebrate, why they celebrate and who they celebrate. Celebration is an attraction. I see a celebration of praise that attracts both God and other people. Our saviour, but also sinners. I see a church that understands the heart and call of our heavenly father to his prodigal sons and daughters to celebrate. For we were all dead And are now alive. Lost and now found. A church that is passionate about welcoming home the father's prodigal sons and daughters. Unquote. I wrote that in 2008. And the Lord now gives us an opportunity. Gives me an opportunity to be able to fulfill that. I don't know if people remember... How long you've been around in church, I don't know. But as I was growing up in church, I remember singing a song that was written by Don Mowen. Is it John Mowen? He says, Jesus, we enthrone you. How many people re- remember? See, oh, yes. God, like, Jesus, we enthrone you. Don't, I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> and, we, and, and this is what we sang. Standing here in the midst of us, we raise you up with our praise. And as we worship, we build your throne. Come, Lord Jesus, and take your place. Can that be reignited again, do you think? Do you think that we enthrone, that's what the Bible says, we enthrone God in the praises of his people. The very manifest presence of God comes as we lift him up in praise and worship, that we would have a church that understands that worship isn't a duty, but it's a delight, and that we experience the joy of being in God's presence. But number two, reach. Once again, I just want to simply read through some scriptures that give a sense of the heart of what we're trying to communicate as leaders here for reach. Psalm 18, verse 16. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. Romans 15, verse 7, from the message version. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. Jesus, staying true to God's purpose, reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promises would come true For them. Well, Matthew 8, verse 3. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. We're going to have a church that reaches the untouchables and the people that other people don't want to reach and don't want to touch. Philippians chapter 2. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in the world as you hold out, as you reach out the words of eternal life. Acts 20, 24. Just let the scriptures wash over you. Acts 20, 24. The most important thing is that I complete my mission The work the Lord gave me to do, to tell people the good news about God's grace. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about us as being ambassadors for Christ, that he's making his appeal through us. He's reaching out through us. How many people know that scripture in in Acts chapter 1, where it talks about that we are all witnesses Stay in Jerusalem until you receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're going to be known as a people who cross those invisible taboos of our culture. How many people know what I mean by that? Invisible. You don't talk about religion or politics, do you? Don't talk about religion or politics. And yet we're going to be people who sensitively and politely and gently and lovingly take a risk proactively. Notice the nature of the word reach, proactive. We are intentional. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching. We're going to be creative in doing things that no one else is doing See, the nature of this word develops a culture, a mindset on the inside of us where we're constantly reaching out with the good news, sharing and showing the love of God in the gospel. I want to have a a church which has not lost its confidence in the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their need of Jesus. I want to share a little story with you. When I got back from the mission field from Saudi Arabia and uh, I was invited into a church and talking to some, uh, some staff members and leaders in this church. And they were talking about um, uh, how someone comes from the church car park into the main auditorium of the church. And and what's the process, and that's all good. So how do they feel in the car park? How do they feel at the doors as they come in? And how do they feel when they are actually having an experience in the church? All of that is important, isn't it? The process of where people how they come walking in. And I remember in this conversation, uh, they were talking about, um, they were talking about the need for croissants, not just croissants, but chocolate croissants. Hey, now don't get me wrong, I'm all for chocolate croissants, hint, hint, hint. Uh, Sausage sandwiches, I think, is what people want here, actually. But but they were talking about croissants, and they said, the church down the road, the big church in the city, has got chocolate croissants. And if we don't have chocolate croissants, people are going to leave. People are going to go. We've got to get those chocolate croissants. There was an intensity about it. They they, they were going, and and it it can't be those ones from Morrison's, six in a pack, you know. It had to be fresh. They had to be cooked fresh. And so the smell of croissants was going through the foyer. And I was listening to all this. And I just kept quiet. And there was something inside me just sinking. And there was an intensity about it that if we don't do this, people are just going to leave our church. And they're going to go to another church. And eventually they realised that I was pretty silent throughout this whole process. And someone turned round, it was a bit of a mistake, someone turned round and said, Ian, what do you think about all this? And I says, well, let me tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a Filipino pastor who pastors an underground church in Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia that I know, close friend of Sarah and I. And he was just daydreaming, Uh, on his day off, having a coffee in one of the shopping malls. And as he was just daydreaming, his eyes came upon a very old Saudi man all in his his Saudi national dress with his headgear on. And he was leaning up and it was quite clear from his face that he was in a lot of pain and he had a stick. And he was wincing. And as he was just looking at him, just daydreaming, the Spirit of God, boom, boom, on the inside of him started speaking to him. And says, "I want you to go over to that man, and I want you to tell him that if he allows you to pray for him in the name of Jesus, the pain is going to go." Now, I don't know about you, and if, if you do that in this country, you're seen as a little bit you know, a little bit bit strange, but if you do it over there, that's kind of it's, serious, it's risky and, and dangerous, but he took the courage. He stepped out and he went over to this older Saudi man and and this Filipino was able to speak fluent Arabic and he spoke to him and he said the exact same words. He says, I believe that I need to tell you that that if you allow me to pray for you in the name of Jesus, the pain's going to go away. And this man, ahalamdala, handalala," And he he was emotional and he was a bit loud and he had to say, calm calm down, calm down, calm down. And little did we realise that that older man had already been to his doctor the day before. And he said to his doctor, if you can't take the pain away, I don't want to be here anymore. And this Filipino pastor prayed for him. And this man was so emotional and they swapped telephone numbers. And two weeks later, they connected up. And he found himself for the first time in an underground church in someone's cellar. Uh, in a back street in Riyadh and he came in and he was given the Bible. He was led to Christ. He was baptised in the Holy Spirit. He was given a Bible and he, wouldn't, he didn't want to leave until one o'clock in the morning. He was so hungry to hear about Jesus from the New Testament. And so right after I, t- I shared this story, I turned around to this group of leaders and I said... Can I ask you a question? When he came to his first meeting, was he concerned whether they had chocolate croissants or not? Were they concerned about the stroller lights? Was he concerned about the worship team? Was he concerned about whether there was enough car parking in the car park? And don't get me wrong, I agree with all of that. But something's told me that if we have a dependency on something else other than the gospel, something's gone wrong. If we think it's croissants that's going to keep people. If we think it's the, it's the lighting and the music and everything. And we've got to be a people who says, I believe and have a confidence that the gospel is the power to change lives. And that the Spirit of God is already working in people who don't know Jesus. And when I share my story, the Spirit of God is already convicting them that's I would love to see that conviction develop and grow more and more in this church establish just let me share two scriptures about establish Acts chapter 16 and so were the churches established in faith and increased daily in number Ephesians 2.19 You are members of God's very own family and you belong to God's household with every other Christian. This, this word has been deliberately chosen to convey strength, security, foundation and permanence. To be established and to be set firm in place. As I, I have a... I believe that it's important that we plant people and establish people in their faith. And that's what the essence of this really is. Psalm 92 says that we'll be planted, established in the house of the Lord. And that's where we will flourish, in the courts of our God. The local church, God has decided that we are his hands and his feet. And that we are bringing people into God's family. Is it possible that people can come here and that they can belong before they can believe in all that we believe? that will show them grace, that will extend a heart of love towards them and will bring, bring them in. So many people are needing to be accepted and loved. This is the place, this is the hospital where people will find freedom from their past, that rejection and bitterness and unforgiveness goes and they'll find freedom in the presence of God as we love them, as we care for them and as we build them up in their faith. And it... And that's talking about building up. That's equip. To equip people. And listen, listen to this: Ephesians chapter four, verse twelve. It says here, to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. That's our prayer: that we have pe- we we have a church that leads people to be fully devoted. Followers of Jesus. We're going to be a people who are disciples, who make disciples. We're going to have a culture that passionately pursues lifelong learning. That there's going to be a hunger for revelation, a pursuit, pursuit of wisdom, and a desire for Christ-likeness. Finally, Deploy. I'm going to read these scriptures out to you. Just allow them to wash over you. This is the voice. Can you believe it? I found deploy in the Bible. Can you believe it? I found deploy in the Bible. The the, the word deploy communicates what the Bible teaches. But I actually found it in, in, in Luke chapter 10 verse 1. The Lord then recruited and deployed 70 more disciples. He sent them ahead in teams of two to visit all the towns and settlements between them and Jerusalem. Listen to this scripture in Ephesians 4, giving you a sense of deploy. To prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. I spoke this morning about the word deploy having military context. It's one of the metaphors in the Bible, isn't it? The army of God, that we are a trained and equipped people. When I was in BAE systems in a, in a kind of military context, they talked about being de- deployment ready or a deployment readiness. That we are ready, that we are trained, that we are equipped for every eventuality. That's not just true for BAE, that should be true for the church. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not unfamiliar to the Bible. And I, Spiritual warfare is a big theological concept in the Bible. But just listen to some of these scriptures where it talks about an army being trained, that Christians have to be equipped and deployed in active service. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3. Listen to this. Therefore, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man going to war entangles himself in the affairs of this life so that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Did you notice that? You're chosen to be a soldier. And that's the essence of deployment. The essence of deployment is a person that understands that he is deployed on an assignment from a higher authority. We we looked at the prophet Isaiah when he says, send me. Because of the call of deployment when God says, who shall I send? And the prophet Isaiah says, send me. And Moses, of course, at the burning bush, when, when God assigned him to be the deliverer of all of Israel. And he had several excuses why he didn't want to go on deployment. But eventually he submitted and he was used as an instrument for God's deliverance. I want to finish by something else that I, I wrote in my journal. And this was last year in November. Last year. So I was here at this church. And this is what I wrote. I see a church that is like an army. Equipped. Trained. Trained courageous and well-organized many different and diverse skill sets and gifts but all with a single mission to complete they recognize they are deployed who has deployed them Jesus the commander they are confident in the delegated authority they have been given and they carry a mindset of being on deployment we will aim to deploy every person to their God-given assignment I believe that the church The body of Christ is at its healthiest when everyone is contributing. If we could ever find a way to let the full capacity of our church loose, we would be unstoppable. If we can ever awaken and unleash the massive talent, resources and creativity and the energy lying dormant in FFMC, the church would explode with growth at an unprecedented rate. This is the single one aim behind deploy i wrote that last year in november i looked at the vision statement this morning and every i don't if you if you don't remember the vision statement let me just read it to you we exist to celebrate god's kingdom by reaching people with his message Establish them as members of his family, equipping them for Christ-like maturity and deploying them for ministry and mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can the worship band please come up? I want to focus finally on that last statement, in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit. This can't be self-effort, can it? This can't be, I've just got to pull myself... Self up by my own bootstraps. It can't be. I'm just. We're going to just do this in our own strength. No, it's got to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a supernatural element to what we're trying to do. As we move forward as a church. And it can't be just because I'm a great great communicator. It can't be because we've just got good music, even though we do. It can't be because we've just got great teas and coffees, even though we do. It's not because we've just got amazing, talented people in this church, even though we have. It's got to be that we have a confidence and a reliance and a dependency of the spirit of God's power to achieve what we want to achieve as a church I'm going to ask you to stand and as we spend some time not rushing away just spending some time in the presence of God in worship this evening there's some people and there was a prophetic word that came from Pastor Lawrence this morning some people feeling daunted some people that say it's just—it's so big, it's so vast, it's just too much and, and where I'm at in my life right now, I just don't feel that I can engage or entertain with this. I understand. Well, I, I don't feel like I can do it. No, you can't and neither can I. It's got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And to the degree that we surrender, church, and allow him to take over and allow him to fill us that we can be his vehicles we can be his hands and feet and when we partner with the Spirit of God then when we reach out it will be effective when we establish people into families they'll be established into this family here at Forward. when we look at equipping people and discipling discipling people their lives will be transformed formed by the revelation of God's Word because of the Spirit of God. When we're looking at deploying people and commissioning people in ministry, their fruitfulness of their ministry will be far more effective because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know that there's people here saying, but Ian, I don't feel like I've got that power. I don't sense that I've got that power. I don't discern it on the inside of my life. I want to give that opportunity tonight. As we sing these songs, I'm going to ask people, Ian, Pastor Ian, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want the greater one, and I want to sense the greater one that's within me. I want to sense his power like Samson. Lord, just one more time. I want to sense his power. Church, we're, we're taking a step. This is a defining moment for us as a body here. Over We develop over the next months and the next year. But I don't want to go any further with this if we don't go with the Spirit of God. How many people know the Scriptures where it it says, it says, if you build a church and God's not in it, if God doesn't build the house, the labourers labour in vain. How many people know we are completely dependent, and God's Spirit. And so in this next song, as we begin to worship, if you want to receive just where you are, just open up your hands and just say, Spirit of God, come and fill me. Come and fill me. If you want prayer, but you want to stay where you are, just raise your hand. We have people with purple lanyards who will come. And pray for you but if you want to take if you want to take a physical step if you want to take an act of faith if you want to say Lord I want to do something you can come up the front now as we worship and as we sing I'm happy to pray for you pastor Lawrence is here to pray pray for you the pastoral team is here to pray for you we've got a prayer ministry with purple lanyards who are willing to come and pray for you You can just come up here now. Just stand here as we worship. And in your individual lives, you can receive the power of God that will enable you to live the life that God wants you to live. Let's worship.